welcome to Carmel Presbyterian Church's podcast channel. Open up a Bible or just listen in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you. Oh, it's good to see your smiling faces behind masks. I can tell you're smiling. I've learned the gift of knowing who is smiling behind those masks. It's really good to see you. And uh, even though it's not nighttime yet, you see the lights. It's so beautiful out here. It's, what a great way to spend time together. We know for those of you at home as well, uh, man, we wish you were here, but we're so glad we can connect with you in this way as we sing together, worship together, pray together, focus on Jesus together. You know, as, as we gather on Christmas Eve, I can't help but recognize that, you know, each of us come with our own unique stories, and some of you come with your normal Christmas happiness. You're, this little one right here, she is happy right here. Happy. He's like, COVID? What's COVID, mom? Everything's great. You know, some of you come, you, your spirits aren't, aren't hindered in any way, and uh, uh, even wearing masks or watching on a screen, it's okay. You know, God's peace is with you. Now, others of us, um, perhaps you didn't even know you'd be stuck listening to a preacher today. You thought you were getting free lattes or free iPhones. And so I apologize if that was the deal you were given. Um, we'll, we'll make it up to you. Next time you come, if you come in person, I will get you a latte. I promise you. Just let me know. If you were tricked into today, I will buy you a latte. But, you know, perhaps all of us were tired. You know, we are tired of mass. We can deal with it, but we're tired of it. Um, we're, we're tired of politics. Uh, we're tired of not knowing when, when things will feel normal, if they ever will feel normal again. We're tired of waiting for some kind of change for the better. We're just tired. You know, there's a 15-year-old girl. Her name is Wallace Shriver. She wrote this kind of Beatles-esque song that's become a viral hit. I'll post it a little bit later if you haven't heard it yet. It's called Lonely Christmas. It's super catchy. She did a great job on it. And it captures the angst of so many right now. And I wanted to share um, some of the lyrics uh, with us. I think it just speaks our hearts. Uh, she sings this, oh, oh, this lonely, lonely Christmas, I can't help but feel that this must be goodbye to dreams of mine of every plan that I made back in January. I stare at my phone alone at night. Am I doing this right? I feel like a reindeer caught in the headlights. Oh, this lonely, lonely Christmas, this year will be a litmus test of my connections. You know, everybody's throwing stones and looking for fights, and hugs are not polite. It's all right. We're just stuck at a red light. Can't wait to break the chains and sing and dance with you again. Oh, this lonely, lonely Christmas. I only wish you knew I dream about the cozy Christmases when I will be with you. When you watch the, the video, she's actually just, you know young 15-year-old girl with her two younger sisters, and they're visiting grandma and grandpa, doing the social distance, you know, hello through the doors and the windows. And, and doesn't that speak to how we feel? Don't you feel like your whole life, the last 10 months, you've been stuck at a red light and just waiting? Like, Lord, when can we move forward? When can we go? You know, she sings about being tired of all the isolation and the not knowing and feeling stuck. And yet Advent teaches us that we can focus during the waiting as we wait to experience Jesus at a deeper level. So let me ask you, what are you waiting on? Because we want to welcome you here today. And as we close this Advent season, we want you to wait with us as we remember on this Christmas Eve that the birthday boy Jesus, and that's what we call it at our home, the birthday boy Jesus, he's, he is worth waiting for. That he is the reason. Now, uh, I brought this book. 
A Charlie Brown Christmas is a famous 1965 uh, animated cartoon. Have you seen this? Have you seen the video? Okay. Um, I'm going to share the story real quick. It's worth seeing it again. Now, when Charles Schultz first uh, was working on producing this, um, he was insistent. This is back in 1965, even though Schultz's spiritual commitments are a bit fuzzy. uh, But he was insistent that the true meaning of Christmas must be shared when he made this show. And so now in contrast to what many in the industry thought, it became a hit, I think it won an Emmy, world famous book and movie or television show. Now it's kind of ironic that a film that basically is a social commentary on the commercialization of Christmas was sponsored by Coca-Cola. And in the opening scene, <laughs> they, the, the kids, like someone hits a sign and the snow f- falls off and it says, enjoy Coca-Cola or something like that. So I think they've edited it out now, but that was the original impetus. It's just a little bit I- irony, right? So um, now Charlie Brown is in search of the true meaning of Christmas, and he goes first to Lucy. Now, if you know Lucy from the Phoenix comics, and by the way, kids, comics were things that were in things called newspapers, and newspapers were actually made of paper, and you unfolded them, okay? And then in a section, you had to go to a certain section, and were these things called comics that were printed. And every Sunday, I would be excited as a kid growing up because I wanted to read the comic strips in this thing called the newspaper that actually had paper. Okay, so anyways, so Charlie goes to Lucy because he's distressed, he's depressed, he's sad because Charlie's always depressed and sad. He's distraught about... The Christmas, it's all commercialized. And so he goes to Lucy, and Lucy sets up all the time her five-cent psychotherapy, you know, offers. This is a great deal, by the way. It'd be much cheaper than my therapist. But five cents to get your therapy in. And he says, I got this problem. I need to find the true meaning of Christmas. And so she says, let me diagnose you. I think you have a certain kind of phobia. She asks first, maybe you have hypengyophobia, that's fear of responsibility. And he kind of shakes his head. And, or maybe it's allurophobia, fear of cats. Or maybe it's climacophobia, fear of staircases. Now, I don't know if any of these, I didn't Google these to see if these are real, by the way. I'm just quoting Lucy, the professional psychotherapist, okay? And then Charlie Brown says, no, it's none of those. She finally narrows it down. She says, I know what you have. It's pantophobia, fear of everything. Charlie says, that's it. <laughs> fear of any, everything. That's it. Now, the funny thing is, as he goes to Lucy for help, she complains about Christmas as well. You know what she says? She says, I never get what I want. I just get a lot of stupid toys or a bicycle or clothes or something like that. And then Charlie asks, well, what do you really want? She says, real estate. That's what I want. <laughs> She's onto something. And you thought it was bad that your kids want iPhones. Come on. She wants real estate, you know, cold, hard cash, basically. Now, Charlie Brown, he goes to Snoopy, and then he goes to his sister Sally, and finally to a bunch of other kids at a Christmas play, and this Christmas play, he's actually in charge of now because Lucy thinks as his psychotherapist, it's going to help him find the true meaning of Christmas uh, in some way. Um, But it doesn't work, and during the rehearsals, uh, Charlie Brown's all upset. No one's respecting him because he's Charlie Brown. No one respects him. And Lucy says, look, Charlie, everyone knows Christmas is a big commercial racket. It's like, just accept it. Move on. 
But Charlie's like, no, I'm going to find the true meaning of Christmas. He goes out and he finds the scraggly tree. He thinks by bringing it back, it's going to, everyone's going to get inspired for the true meaning of Christmas, but it doesn't. They make fun of him because he's Charlie Brown, because of this pathetic little tree. He's an utter failure in their eyes. He can't find an answer. And so at the climax of the story of this film, of the show, maybe you realize this too, Charlie Brown cries out in despair. Doesn't anyone know the true meaning of Christmas? And in comes Linus with his classic security blanket. He says, I know. Walks on the stage, a spotlight drops on him. I know the true meaning of Christmas. And with his trademark security blanket in hand, he recites the King James Version of Luke 2, 8 through 13, what you heard read today, our scripture where Linus says, For unto you was born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Then he says, Charlie Brown, that's the meaning of Christmas. It's, you know, it's a beautiful moment. Some uh, industry leaders say it's probably one of the most powerful moments in animation history was that little speech from Luke 2 by Linus. You know, some years ago, Katie was trying to buy a hardback version of this. It wasn't this one. I think we were in a Target going through the, the shelves. We find Charlie Brown Christmas. We start flipping through it. We get excited about buying it. And we get to this section, and it's gone. It didn't exist in that version of the Charlie Brown Christmas. We had to hunt this one down, the one that has the scripture in it. So there's a version out there that the scripture's been scrubbed now, I'm sure there's some marketing expert who would tell me, Tim, you know, don't take anything personally. It just, you know, <laughs> the sales numbers increase when we remove the scripture or something like that, right? But it, doesn't it make you mad that Jesus gets edited out out of his own holiday? I mean, it's just not right. Jesus gets edited out from his own story. It's like being at your own birthday party. Kids think about this and everyone ignores you at your own birthday party. Wouldn't that be the worst? The birthday boy is Jesus, and he got edited out of his own story of this book that we were looking at. And then I thought about it, and as terrible as that is, sometimes I edit out Jesus from his own story. Sometimes, maybe you do too, we find him inconvenient, and we kind of edit him out of our conversations, edit him out of our lives because it might be inconvenient or embarrassing or whatever it would be. We treat Jesus sometimes like a supplement instead of the center. Because we got to keep in mind, you know, when the angels announced to the shepherds that Jesus Messiah would be arriving, he called him Christ the Lord, not Christ the assistant, <laughs> not Christ your personal life coach, <laughs> not Christ, oh, your helper. No, Christ the Lord. So let me ask you this way. Is Jesus your king? Because that's what his name means. Christ, Messiah, king. Is he your king or is he more like a personal assistant to you? When you need some help, you need some advice, you turn to him. Maybe like a supplement, uh, you know, a little church sometimes, some vitamin D, a little bit of yoga, an inspirational podcast and add some Jesus and life is good. See, Jesus wants so much more. He wants to be your king. He doesn't want to be a supplement. He wants to be the center of your life. Jesus wants to be the indispensable center 
of who you are and why you live. You see, I'm guilty of editing out Jesus for my life sometimes. I treat him as dispensable, and, and sometimes we edit him out of our life because we actually think he's, he's deaf. Now, I don't know if you know this, but the Jews of that time, they were praying for a coming Jewish king, this Messiah, who would defeat all of their enemies. And then baby Jesus comes. And he didn't look like the victorious warrior they were hoping he would be. They got Jesus who said, love enemies. They got Jesus who gave up power. They got Jesus who took a cross. This wasn't the Messiah that many people were expecting. You know, there's a story that two young boys were spending the night at their grandparents' house the week before Christmas, and at bedtime, the, the two boys knelt beside their beds to say their prayers, and the younger one began praying at the top of his lungs, I pray for a new bicycle. I pray for a new Nintendo. And the brother looked at him and said, why are you yelling? God is not deaf. And then the brother says, I know, but grandma is. <laughs> you know, sometime we treat God like he's deaf. We want to get your attention, God. I've been saying this prayer. You haven't answered it yet. Haven't you seen my life? I've been doing pretty good. God, can you pay some attention to me? My problem is pretty big, God. There's nothing wrong with coming to the Lord with all of your problems and everything. He wants you to come to him, but he's not deaf. You don't need to coerce him into loving you or listening to you, but he's also not Santa Claus. You don't bring him your wish list. That's not how it works. He's your king. He wants your life to center around him. Isaiah 59 verse 1 says, Listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is his ear too deaf to hear you call. So God did hear the prayers of his people for Messiah, for a king. It just wasn't the king that they expected. But he answered their prayers. See, God did hear their prayers because God sent the angels to declare, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, Luke 2.11. You see, what they really needed maybe isn't what they were praying for. What they really needed was a God to save them. What they really needed was a God to serve them. But he wasn't what they were looking for. And so perhaps you've been waiting for God to answer a prayer, and it seems like he's deaf. So you start shouting, look how faithful I am, God. Look how urgent my need is. Look how good I've been. Look how hard I tried. Look, Santa, I've been good. Oh, wait, I mean Jesus. You catch yourself sometimes like me? We treat God like a cosmic Santa Claus. But the Bible says you need a savior, not a Santa. You have a relationship with one who is a rescuer. You know, negotiating never gets you closer to God, but surrender does. God, I give up. Give me your agenda, God. Show me what to pray for. Show me how to pray. You're my king. You're the center. You're indispensable. And Lord, I know you're not deaf. Lord, thank you for hearing my heart's cry. We need to surrender our expectations, surrender our demands, because as we do that before the Lord, before our King, it's an act of faith. You know, when you look at that climactic scene, you'll see this on the screen, uh, Linus, when he, he shares Luke 2, he, I don't know if you've noticed this before, I didn't notice it until this last week, he actually drops his blanket 
while he's reciting the scripture and when he says that the angels declared, fear not, and the blanket drops. I wonder if this was an intentional detail because throughout Charles Schultz, whenever he, he's doing the Peanuts cartoon, he always has his blanket. They're always trying to take it away from him. And he drops his security blanket. With the announcement of the arrival of Christ the King, he can finally let it go. Uh, Pastor Jason Sororsky observed this. He says, the birth of Jesus separates us from our fears. The birth of Jesus frees us from the habits we are unable or unwilling to break ourselves from. The birth of Jesus allows us to simply drop the false security we have been grasping so tightly to learn to trust and to cling to him instead. And see, with Christ, there's no longer a need to hold on to fear, to hold on to insecurity, to hold on to all of these things that we cling to in order to make us feel loved. We can drop the blanket. Uh, I don't know if you know a man named Nick Vujicic. He actually was a man born without arms and without legs. He's an amazing man, amazing story, who, who speaks to millions about having hope in Christ. No arms, no legs, okay? Listen to what he says about your fears. Fears will cripple you more than lack of arms and legs. Can you imagine him saying that? He's basically saying, take it from me. Trust me. Fear will cripple you more than any physical abnormality, more than any handicap you think you have or other people say you have. More than anything else, fear will cripple you. So stop fearing losing money or needing to impress people or what happens after death because in Christ, you need not have more fear in Christ. Put your faith in Christ the Lord, Christ the King. See, the Bible says you need a savior, not a Santa. And surrender is the key to drawing near to God. Do you want to draw near to God? James 4, 8 and 10 gives you a clue. It says, come near to God and he will come near to you. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Drop your security blankets. Let go of your false expectations. You must come to Jesus on his terms, not yours. His love cannot be earned. His favor cannot be coerced. His grace must be received as a gift. You see, God is the gracious one reaching out to those whose hearts are turning to and to those who are lost in need of rescue. Oh, he welcomes you in his arms. I love that little detail in Luke 2, 8, that of course it says that and there were shepherds in the field. This whole story in Luke 2 is about the shepherds. Now, Middle Eastern culture, the shepherds were both in one hand revered, but also looked down upon. And the same as today. But I think it's beautiful that these first witnesses to baby Jesus were these lowly shepherds. They're dirty and despised. You know, the last people that should be holding court to a earthly king, let alone a king of kings, the king of kings. Yet it's the shepherds. I love it. You know, Jesus refers to himself as well as the good shepherd in the gospel of John. And then later in Luke, Jesus drives the point home even more. He says that there were a hundred sheep and there was a shepherd, but one got lost. And so this shepherd, of course, this good shepherd, left the 99 for the one. 
and he went after the one lost sheep, the herding sheep, and he picked up the sheep, carried it on his shoulders, and took him home. You see, Jesus says, that is what I'm like. If that's what Jesus is like, you know who you are in the story? You're the lost sheep. (laughs) You're the one that Jesus comes after out of love because you're hurting, because you need him. He's not just a supplement in your life. He wants to be the center. And he's coming after you, lost sheep, the injured ones, the ones unable to walk on our own. We need a rescuer. We need a good shepherd to come find us and scoop us up and take us home. You know, at the end of the Charlie Brown Christmas, uh, there's this great shot of Linus with all the kids, and they've taken the scraggly tree, and they made the tree all beautiful. And, and, um, but Linus, for the second time in the story, takes his security blanket and drops it at the base of the tree. I can't help but think it symbolized something more than just trying to make a pretty tree. In fact, a little side note, I was trying to find the original video and I didn't want to pay for it, so I found some other site that had it on YouTube or something. And uh, and there was a, a, um, an atheist, it's like an atheist Charlie Brown Christmas. And during this scene, what they, uh, and through all the scenes, they took out all the scripture references. And at this last scene, they sing O Tannenbaum, this, this classic song singing to the Christmas, to a, a, to a tree, not a Christmas tree, just singing to a tree. Kind of this pagan ritual, singing to a tree. An atheist Christmas. But I like to believe in the heart of Charles Schultz, that as Linus takes his security blanket and wraps wraps it at the base of the Christ tree, that they're really thinking about Jesus laying down all of his insecurities and fears at the feet of Jesus. In fact, I know it to be true because you know what they sing in the real video? They sing, hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. It's as if Linus is laying down his security blanket at the feet of Jesus. I'm going to leave you with a question. If I asked you to think about the most important thing in your life right now, and little kids, big kids, you can all answer this. What's the most important thing in your life right now? If you had to think about what that is, or if you had to like, write on an imaginary piece of paper, what would you write? You know, if you're, you're a little bit older, You might think of your possessions or your reputation, or or maybe someone of any age, you might think of your family. That's the most important thing. What would it be? The most important thing in your life. Or maybe your comfort, your security, your health. Now, another way to think of it, that's hard for you to think about right now. Some psychologists say it helps to think of it this way, is what would be the thing that if you lost it would be the worst thing? That's how you can find the most important thing. What if you lost something would be the worst thing in your life? Like you wouldn't, maybe, you, would, you wouldn't want to like really live anymore because you lost that thing. What's the most important thing? That if you lost it, life isn't really worth living anymore. Think about that. Your, your greatest hopes, your greatest fears. Jesus wants you to lay that down at the feet of him. Drop your security blanket. T- take your biggest dreams and your, and your most joyful things and drop them at the feet of Jesus. Take your biggest fears, your biggest worries, and drop them at the feet of Jesus. Whatever you fear losing, drop at the feet of Jesus. Lay it at his feet. Oh, you'll find a good shepherd ready 
to pick you up and take you home. You'll find a, a good God, a God who came to serve, a God, this King who loves you with an everlasting love. You can't coerce him into loving you any more than he already does. Uh, it must be received as a gift. So let's talk with the birthday boy, Jesus. Would you pray with me? Jesus, happy birthday. We love you. We thank you for loving us first. Thank you for coming as a baby. Thank you for reminding us that you're not deaf. Thank you for the reality that you are indispensable. Thank you for forgiving people like me, for treating you like a supplement. Lord, I'm gonna place you at the center of the Christmas story. This is all about you. Lord, forgive me for forgetting that this Christmas, every Christmas, is about you on this rescue mission to come near to us, that we might say yes to a love that will never end. And we might share it with someone else looking for that love. Lord, thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done. Thank you that you're coming back one day for us. May we remember you on your birthday because it's all about you. Thank you for your life. Give us hope in you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Carmel Presbyterian Church, visit our website at www.carmelpres.org or any of our social media pages. Have a blessed rest of your week.